The text is Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Now when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And the question is, who is he? He, he, he. But who is he? I uh, used to have a book on my shelves, and I've been racking my brain to remember the name of the author. And, and it's almost there. It, it's, it's almost on the tip of my tongue, but I just can't quite remember it. But he said that he believed that Jesus was a code word for magic mushrooms. And when you ate these magic mushrooms, you had a spiritual experience. <laughs> and Jesus was magic mushrooms. It never really became a very popular idea. But there have been so many ideas about who Jesus is. So we have today the, the revolutionary Jesus, and we have what's called liberation theology. And interestingly enough, most of the people who believe that Jesus was a, a revolutionary are people living under Marxist rule, where they want a revolutionary deliverer. We have people who think that Jesus was an Eastern magician. He came... He went to India and he learned how to do magic uh, over there. And we've got people who think that Jesus was just a philosopher. Lots and lots of different ideas about who Jesus was. And the interesting thing is, most people paint a picture of Jesus that agrees with what they want. <laughs> so if you want to be a revolutionary, Jesus was a revolutionary. If you want to be a philosopher, Jesus was a philosopher. So who was Jesus? Who is he? Well, the only way we can really know is to ask the eyewitnesses. And thankfully, we have some good eyewitness accounts telling us who Jesus was. We have three eyewitness accounts, Matthew, Mark, and John, written by people who lived with Jesus, worked with Jesus, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, and they have written us eyewitness accounts. We have another uh, account by an early historian who he went and interviewed the eyewitnesses and he put everything together in a very historical, accurate way. That is Luke. We've got the eyewitness accounts. So we know who Jesus is. That should, that should sort it. But it doesn't. Because... What the eyewitnesses tell us is so incredible that people refuse to accept it. They say that can't be true. So today, we have the new atheists who tell us that Jesus probably never existed. They rewrite history to support their atheism. Because the eyewitness accounts tell us that Jesus Christ is such an incredible character, they have to say, well, actually, he didn't even 
exist. When I was a youngster, C.S. Lewis, who was a famous writer, he, he said that we have a, a trilemma, three possibilities. Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or the Lord. But since the new atheists have now denied history, we have to say, is Jesus a lunatic, a liar, a legend, or the Lord? Now, if Jesus is just a legend, if he didn't exist, it gives us an incredible problem. It gives us a phenomenal difficulty because if Jesus is a legend, if he didn't exist, then who gave us the Sermon on the Mount? This most incredible teaching, this most phenomenal teaching, this greatest teaching the world has ever had. And if Jesus was a legend, if he didn't exist, it must have come from someone else. Well, who? Well, there isn't anybody else. You see, you can't. Just the Sermon on the Mount is enough to prove to us that Jesus isn't a legend. And then you add to it the other parables. Then you add to it the, the resurrection. Jesus isn't a legend. So some would say, well, he must have been a lunatic. Anyone who goes around saying that they are God in human flesh, that they were around before uh, Abraham existed, and that uh, they're going to judge everybody, uh, dead or alive, if they're just a human being and they say those kind of things, you say they are mad, they're a lunatic. But a person who's a lunatic, a person who um, is raving mad, doesn't give us the teachings like the Sermon on the Mount that are incredibly sane, incredibly wise, incredibly good. Indeed, Jesus has given us the most sane teaching the world has ever known. He isn't a lunatic. Well, is he a liar then? claiming to be equal with God, claiming to be the I am before Abraham was I am. Is he just a liar? Well, again, just look at the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the most incredible teaching on honesty and truthfulness the world has ever known. And if he was a liar... He wouldn't have said these things full stop. And then even if he was so such an incredible hypocrite that he, he said these things, then those who knew him would know that this was just hypocrisy. So th they would record it. And even if they did record it, they certainly wouldn't become the most honest, upright men this world has ever known by following the teachings of him who they knew was a liar. It just doesn't fit. You can't have Jesus as a legend. You can't have him as a lunatic. You can't have him as a liar just on the strength of the three chapters of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. We are left with the only alternative. And this is that Jesus is Lord. But this is more than a logical deduction. 
this agrees totally with the eyewitness accounts that we have. So we not only have the eyewitness accounts, but they're corroborated by the fact that this is the only real alternative we have to follow. So let's look at Matthew's introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, where he tells us who he is. And we begin in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, with a long genealogy. You might want to follow through in your Bibles. We're going to go through very quickly. And we see in chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, that Jesus is the Christ. That's what it says in verse 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Every pregnant Jewish lady had an incredible desire in those days. And it was the desire that their little child would be the Messiah. Everyone longed for the privilege of being the mother of the Christ, the Messiah. But in order to be the mother of the Messiah, first of all, your child had to be a boy. Secondly, he had to be a child of Abraham, Jewish, and thirdly, he had to be a son of David, royal. And we find Jesus here in verse 2. He's the descendant of Abraham. In verse 6, he's the descendant of David. He has the perfect ancestry. He's got the correct pedigree. Now, we would say, oh, well, that would mean that he could be the Messiah. But Matthew, the eyewitness who lived with him, said he's more than just, more than just someone who could be the Messiah. His life proved that he is the Christ. The next story in Matthew teaches us that Jesus is God. And here is the account of the uh, supernatural events around the birth of Jesus Christ here in the second half of Matthew chapter 1. And it says, you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Now that's very interesting because the word Jesus is the word Joshua in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means Jehovah or Yahweh or God saves. So you should call him Yahweh saves because he will save. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? You call his name God saves because God saves. You don't call his name God saves because he saves unless he is God. But you should call his name Jesus, God saves, because he will save. And therefore, they quoted the Old Testament, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, this baby, the Christ, the descendant of David and Abraham, is more than just the Christ. He is God with us. Thirdly, Jesus is the king. You remember the wise men, the magi, they came from the east because they had seen the star and they had their traditions and their astronomy. And so they realized that all this meant that the king of the Jews had been born. So they went where anyone would go to the palace in Jerusalem. And they asked King Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And that was terrible for Herod because number one, Herod, 
Herod wasn't a Jew. He, he was an Edomite. So he didn't even have the right to be on the throne. He certainly wasn't king of the Jews. And secondly, he wasn't God's king. He wasn't put there by the people. He was put there by Caesar in Rome. And yet these wise men know that the king of the Jews has been born. And they are led by the scriptures to go to Bethlehem because the scriptures teach us that you, Bethlehem of Judea, although you're one of the smallest amongst the tribes, yet from you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. The king is coming. And so they come in and they see the baby who is the king of the Jews and they worship him. The Christ who is God, who is king. And fourthly, Jesus is the true Israel. Just check that I haven't missed anything out. Yep, this is correct. You remember what happened? Oh, sorry, I'd, I'd lost my way for a second. Do you remember when Herod wanted to kill the baby? What did Mary and Joseph do? They fled to Egypt, and they lived in Egypt. And then when Herod ha had died and Archelaus was king, they came out of Egypt back into the promised land. It was a picture of what happened to the Israelites in the days of Moses when they came out of Egypt into the promised land. And indeed, Matthew tells us that this was to, so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt I have called my son. What happened to Israel, Israel the Israelites in Egypt, was a picture of what was going to happen to Jesus Christ. Israel was the picture of which Jesus Christ was the reality. Jesus was the representative of all the people of God. He was the representative of all the people of God in the Old Testament and all the people of God in the New Testament. Now, on Thursday, there was a very important football match. It was the FA Cup final. It was the Faith League FA Cup final for Hampshire, Dorset, and Wiltshire. And the Lansdowne Baptist Church's football team was in the final of the FA Cup. It was so exciting. And Caroline and my son-in-law is both player manager of the football team. So it was really exciting. And you had to pay for tickets. Tickets, horrendous. Four pounds for an adult. Two pounds for a kid. And all my family had to go. Indeed, my little grandson was mascot who walked down. It was all filmed. And um, at 85 minutes, it was nil all. Oh, very stressful. And then Lansdowne scored. And they won the cup, and it was so exciting. So I saw a little bit of the service this morning, and my son-in-law was dragged up into the uh, pulpit to show the cup that they had won, because the whole church had won. 
although many of them haven't even been there. <laughs> Actually, only 11 of them were playing. And um, they won the cup for everybody. Everybody was involved by what they did. Well, Jesus is, everything points forward to him. And he represents everyone. He's the true Israel. Which is really good because it means he represents us as well. He's our representative. Let's move on. Fifthly. Oh. Do you remember it said that when they returned, they didn't return to Jerusalem. They returned to Nazareth. So was fulfilled that was said through the prophets, not through one prophet, but through the prophets generally, that he would be called a Nazarene. What does that mean? Well, Nazareth was that despised place up north where people coined the phrase, what good can come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? I was thinking of places I could say up north, which people think, oh, and I thought, well, I'll get in trouble wherever I mention. But Nazareth was the place that people thought, oh, no good can come from that. That's the pits. That's the dead end. Jesus was despised and rejected of men. All the way through the Old Testament, we were told that he would be despised. And he went to live, not in the palace in Jerusalem, but in despised Nazareth. He was a Nazarene. Sixthly, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Do you remember the story of John the Baptist? John the Baptist went around preaching and what did he say? Prepare the way for the Lord. This is quoting Isaiah again in the Old Testament, Isaiah 40, where if you read Isaiah 40, you'll see Lord is in capital letters. It's talking about Yahweh, Jehovah. There's very little difference between Jesus being God with us, God, and Jesus being the Lord. The only difference is that the word God seems to refer to the sovereign creator and the word Lord seems to refer to the sovereign saviour, deliverer of his people. And the amazing thing is that not only was Jesus the Lord, but John the Baptist who prepared the way for him was prophesied about as well. A joke, all right? Sorry to tell you a joke, but it is about the Pope, so you'll have, to, you'll have to bear with me. But there is the story of when the Pope was on one of his tours, and he wanted to get to the airport quickly. And he said to his driver, look, drive faster, drive faster. And his driver said, look, I, I, I'm driving as fast as I'm allowed to. If I go any fa faster, I'm going to get stopped by the police, and I will lose my license. And the Pope said, go faster, go faster. He says... I can't go any faster. I'm not allowed to. The Pope says, well, you get in the back and I'll drive. So the Pope starts driving. 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, 150 miles hurtling down the motorway when the police car, they stop him. And they wind down the window. There's the Pope. So he, he rings up his... Uh, uh, sergeant at the uh, police headquarters and he says, look, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I've just stopped this man speeding at 115 miles down the motorway. 115 miles, he says, throw the book at him. 
but you don't understand who he is. I don't care if it's the president. You just throw the book at him. He says, no, this, this is Mr. Big. What do you mean it's Mr. Big? Who is he? I don't know, but he has the Pope as his driver. <laughs> well, you see, Jesus had John the Baptist as his driver. Jesus had John the Baptist preparing the way for him. John the Baptist, the greatest man at that time, born. And he was just the driver, just preparing the way for the Lord. And indeed, the driver was prophesied about. So when the driver came, it was fulfillment of prophecy. And when Jesus, the Lord, comes after him, it's double confirmation that Jesus is the one the Scriptures told us about. Jesus is the Lord the one we should worship and honor and submit to and praise and pray in his name and love. Jesus is the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. That means repent. Get everything out of your life. That's a hindrance to him dealing with you. Seventhly, second bit of chapter three. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. And here we don't hear the voice of John the Baptist. Here we hear the voice of God the Father. You remember at the baptism, when Jesus Christ goes to be baptized by John the Baptist, and the heavens are opened, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my Son. And then he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on Jesus. There is God the Father speaking. There is God the Spirit anointing him. And there is God the Son. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Eighthly, Jesus is the new Adam. This is the story of the temptations. You remember Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted 40 days. And it's a picture very similar to the Exodus, just as the people of Israel went through the wilderness for 40 years. So Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days. But it's more than just the story of the Israelites and the Exodus. This is really taking us back further to Adam in the Garden of Eden. You remember when Adam was in the Garden of Eden and the devil came to tempt him. And the devil, he obviously was hungry, said to him, the fruit is good to eat. And then the devil quotes scripture at Adam. And Adam falls into sin. Well, here, years later, the last Adam, the perfect man, the head of the new humanity, he is in the desert. And the devil comes and tempts him and tempts him to turn the, the stones into bread, and quotes scripture at him, says, throw yourself off the top of the uh, temple, and God will catch you. But Jesus conquers Satan. Jesus says no, and Satan flees. Jesus is the perfect man. He is the sinless man. He is the man we can follow. Ninthly, Jesus is the life. This is the last section. Chapter 4, verses 12 to 25. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, 
a light has dawned. The light has come. The light has shone into this world. When I was a teenager, I went to work for a year in the Middle East, in Israel. And at the last couple of weeks I was out there, I managed to uh, persuade people to take a group down to the Sinai Desert so we could uh, go to Mount Sinai and go to the uh, Santa Catarina where the uh, uh, Codex Sinaiticus, one of the oldest um, uh, editions of the New Testament, was discovered. And we drove there. It took us three days with Bedouins driving us across the desert sands. And we get to Mount Sinai. And then we climb up in the evening to the top of Mount Sinai. By the time we get to the top, it is pitch dark. The only light was stars. There was, a, a, I think it was a Russian Orthodox church there, and there was a mosque. The Russian Orthodox church was locked. The mosque was open. The mosque was just a room about the fifth of the size of this chapel, and all 20 of us piled in there and got in our sleeping bags and went to sleep. I woke up freezing cold at about 4 o'clock in the morning. It was still pitch dark. And I thought, right, I'm going to go and take a photograph. I had a little camera, and I had one picture left to take in my camera. This is before digital days, where you used to have a certain number on your film. And so I thought, I'm going to go out and take the sun rising over the uh, Sinai Desert. Because it wasn't all spare sand. It was a mountainous range. Mountains and mountains and mountains and mountains. So, so I get out there. And then I see that there's the um, side of the wall of the uh, church, and it had a domed roof. And I thought, well, I can climb up there, and I can take my photograph from higher up. So I, I climbed up, and I sat on this domed uh, roof, and I waited for the sun to rise. It was so cold, I put my socks on my hands. I thought, I'm in the desert, it shouldn't be hot, but it was so biting cold, and just the stars. And then, finally, the sky got a little bit light. And I can remember seeing the sun rising and just waiting to take the photograph. And I took my last photograph of the sun just as it was uh, just above the um, mountains. And then I looked around me. And saw that there was a thousand foot drop. <laughs> Which I hadn't any idea about when I climbed up on that roof. Now I don't like, I'm high enough up here as it is. And I hate heights. And so I very, very cautiously got down from the roof of that church. But you see, in the darkness I hadn't realized how dangerous it was. In the darkness I hadn't realized how stupid I was. But when the light came, when the light came, I realized I was stupid and it was dangerous. Oh, when the light shone in the darkness, when the light of God came into this world, people realized that they were sinful. And so what did Jesus preach? Jesus preached there in verse 17. From that time on, he began to teach, preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We see how wrong we are as soon as the sun shines. 
My old minister, I mentioned him this morning. He was missionary in Brazil, and he says they were just passing through Brazil where they called in a church at the midweek prayer meeting, and God came in revival power. And he said things in his life that up till this time he thought were all right, he now felt were the most horrible sins imaginable because the holiness of God was there. When the light shines, you see all the dirt and you realize that you need to repent of your sin. Now, to repent doesn't mean to feel sorry. Lots of people think that repentance means they've got to feel bad. But to repent isn't how you feel, it's what you do. To repent is to turn from your sin and to positively, the next thing we see is the right way to go, to follow Jesus Christ. Come, follow me, Jesus said. That's the way to go. We follow him because he's lived the perfect life. We follow his teachings. We follow everything. If you're anything like me, you really want to go this way and you want Jesus to come with you. How many people like that? That we we pray about this, we say, this is what we want to do, Lord, and we really want you to be with us. But it's the other way around. When you realize who Jesus is, then you follow him wherever he goes. Whatever he says, you follow him. How wrong we are, the right way to go, and he transforms lives. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And you know, when the love of Christ is in your heart, you cannot but have compassion upon the hurting people around you. And you find that all through history, the Christian church has preached the gospel. And wherever, wherever it's gone, it's provided hospitals and leprosariums. Yes, we do pray for people and want God to miraculously heal people. And now and again, God does. But all the time, we are preaching the gospel and healing the sick. We're helping people for time and for eternity because Jesus is the Lord. There is no one else worth following. Who is this man? He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He had no credentials but himself. Today, he is the centerpiece of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon the earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. He's not a legend. He's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. He's the Lord. He's the light. And he says, repent. Come follow me. I, every day, want to be repenting and following Jesus Christ. Let's decide, yes, this is who he is.
we will listen to him and we will follow him.